0: Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime,
2: John. I'm Sports Guy Hickman, and today's episode of Locked On Texans is presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. Why is Pepsi the one that's presenting the show for you today? Well, because you're in your car, you are sitting at home, ready to watch a game or maybe chilling or at the grocery store. You are a member of the League of Football Watchers. Go down that aisle, get you a Pepsi product. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch it. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, but it's made for those who watch it. We have an interesting show today. As promised, like we mentioned earlier in the week, we will be having an interview with Quincy Avery, Deshaun Watson's quarterback, coach and trainer during the offseason and good friend. And and that's going to be very interesting to, you know, kind of hear everything that we can kind of get out of him in a short amount of time regarding non-Texan information. You know, of course, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. Of course, we're going to talk about, you know, his tweet of Tim Kelly's but. Getting an opportunity to hear why he does what he does and kind of understanding why he chose the route he he has taken. So that's going to be interesting. But as of yesterday, today's Friday, a fun Friday. We are the Bulls on Parade with a party to us, Cody. I'm going to have fun tonight when I get off from work. I don't know about you, but yesterday, Cody, what did we hear? What was a breaking news around the city of Houston.
0: Well, it's not necessarily breaking news, but at the end of the day, there was a report coming from Sports Illustrated that said that the Houston Texans are interested in doing a fire sale, and nearly everybody on this team is available to be moved except for Deshaun Watson, Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, and of course, J.J. Watt. Now. The news of J.J. Watt not being moved isn't surprising. I'm pretty sure you guys heard on yesterday when I did the interview with Aaron Wilson, Texans beat reporter of the Houston Chronicle. We actually talked about the possibility of J.J. Watt being moved, and Wilson just flat out said That is basically not going to happen because he is so valuable to this franchise. He's part of their business and he did not see a way that the Texans can depart from J.J. Watt literally seven months after the untimely departure of DeAndre Hopkins. However, I am happy that the Texans actually came to their census and it's looking like they are interested in doing a complete fire sale. And there is a big possibility that this team will look completely different when they come back from their bye week to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars on November 8th. So... This basically falls in line of a article that I just dropped today on ESPN Houston. You guys can go check it out. Where I talked about three players that the Texans should consider moving on from before Tuesday's deadline. And the three guys that I mentioned was Whitney Merciless, Duke Johnson, and Randall Cobb. Now, of course, you know, looking at Whitney Merciless, I put him on this list because... If the Texans do not move on from J.J. Watt, they definitely need to move on from Whitney Merciless. This is a guy that is projected to make at least 30 to $35 million over the next three seasons, and his on-field production does not match his big pay. And I take a look at around the league, and I figure... What he is doing on the field can be more valuable to a team like the Green Bay Packers, like the Seattle Seahawks, and even the Tennessee Titans to a certain extent because all three of those teams are basically championship contending teams, and he can actually add value in improving their front seven improving their ability to get to the quarterbacks because all three of those teams are ranked near the bottom and as for the green bay packers they are at the bottom of getting to the quarterback as for duke johnson look i get it everyone wants to see him more involved in the second half of the season in the run game but at the end of the day the texans run game has been so bad i think it's best if they just scrap duke johnson I would love to see them scratch david johnson but i highly doubt nobody will take him on and you know me guys i am really big on using the second half of the season to have the texans actually use their younger players i want to see scotty phillips out there and at the end of the day he cannot be no worse than what we are seeing from david and duke johnson correct yeah i think if you look at
2: the johnson brothers i think duke johnson the only reason why we are having the conversation about him being involved in a trade one year after we got him is because we're not using him. But I also love the fact that, and I will, you know, give credit to uh, Tim Kelly that he mentioned, we are going to see Duke Johnson more in the last nine games of this season. And I think if a team comes out and says that they're not really planning on moving forward from him. Now, David Johnson, it'll be very difficult, extremely difficult to move him considering he's only averaging right under 60 yards per game and he is making $12.5 million per year. Now Houston has a couple of guys on their roster that can help teams that are in a position to be very good, but they're missing key pieces in their conference. I want to look at the Chicago bears, right? Chicago bears, Nick Foles has a good amount of offensive weapons around him, but he mentioned earlier in the week i think it was earlier this week or late last week that he's not having the amount of time to execute the plays that matt Nagy is calling for him and that's because his offensive line is really not that good at all actually and so i will look at a max sharpen i love max Sharpen. i really do but i think if chicago can give you a pick that makes sense then you you can ship you can ship Max Sharpen off, or let's just say if you can dangle Roderick Johnson in some teams' faces and get a very late-round draft pick back for him. But I think at this point, if you're going to go on this mini-fire sale, you have to place your priority, with well, team's priority higher than the guys you may want to keep. So a team like Chicago who needs offensive linemen, I would dangle Max Sharpen if I can get a good draft pick back. I also uh, – I'm going to link Will Fuller and Kenny Steele's to the likes of the New England Patriots. They have the worst receiving core in the league. I mean, I'm a New England Patriot fan, and I can only name you Jacoby Myers. And that's only because he caught, I think, two passes from Tom Brady last year. It's that bad. Julian Edelman has been now. He's been banged up for the last two years, and uh, Nikhil Harry has been out and he's really not as good as we thought he would be coming out of the draft. It's as as good as the New England Patriots thought he'd be coming out of the draft. So they need a receiver or else this who's better out of Tom and Bill season goes completely to Tom because Cam Newton has nobody to throw to. So you have Will Fuller, you have Kenny Stills. Those are two guys with great upside that can do wonders for a team like New England who needs receivers. So I think if I'm Houston, You have to look around the league and see where teams that are in position to make real runs. Even with a Green Bay, you can also look at Will Fuller to Green Bay. They need another receiver opposite of Devontae Adams. Teams that are willing to give you a higher pick because the player you have can boost their opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl, then you have to look at those. And I think Max Sharpen on offense – and Will Full and Kenny Steels on offense as well. And the receiving core could be big pieces to move. Uh, and I will also, you mentioned Whitney Merciless. I would also look and see uh, what I could get back for Zach Cunningham right now. No, I'm not getting rid of Zach. And that's just, that's what we're going to agree disagree. I think me and a lot of City of Houston fans or Texan fans will disagree on that. But Zach Cunningham is somebody on your defense that you have a possibility of getting a very high draft pick back for. And you know in the NFL, a high draft pick is all the way up to the third round. There's so much talent from one to three. It's ridiculous. So if I can get a third rounder back, I'm taking that. If I can get a second round, If you can partner some of these players and get a pick and a player back, man. So we're going to see the trade deadline is November 3rd, election night. That's going to be a fun day. That that day, America may just burn down. Twitter is definitely going to burn down, but we're going to see – Where players are needed, who's going to trade for who, and who's going to win, red or blue. I cannot wait.
0: Thanks to the lack of natural athleticism or commitment fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it.
2: You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go. Right? It's it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the the workout nation. It's sweeping the gyms. It's keeping everybody where they need to be. And uh, Built Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one point five ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you could just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilgo is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's so natural for the body. It's just completely better. It's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results. With three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. I like mint. You know, mint, mint, it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff, and it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! You know, early in the week, we mentioned that even with a 1-6 in record, your coach, GM, and taking over for play calling duties for one game, getting fired in Bill O'Brien, and virtually no real offseason season. Deshaun Watson has been pretty spectacular this year. I gave you some of his ranks. He's first in average yards per play, second uh, in passing yards, and sixth overall in the passer rating category. He's completed 70% of his passes in four of his last five games. You know who's been there with him, training and helping our star QB in Houston get better? Quincy Avery. And as promised early in the week, he is now joining our show for today. So let's give him a good... Locked on Texans, welcome Quincy Avery, welcome to the Locked on Texans show.
1: What's going on fellas, I appreciate you having me on. We
2: appreciate yes sir, you thank you so
0: much. First and foremost, we just wanna say thank you for taking time out of your day. We know you're a busy man and um, you know, just thank you so much for taking the time out your day to come on Locked on Texans today and discuss not only Deshaun Watson, but everything that's going on around the NFL and our nation in general. For sure,
2: let's do it. I, I wanna focus on the black quarterback. In 1978, Doug Williams became the first of few black quarterbacks selected in the first round. In the last 10 years, we've seen that number increase ranging from Cam Newton to Dwayne Haskins last year. We know that representation is undoubtedly growing. Can you describe the importance of seeing representation on Saturdays and Sundays for younger black QBs?
1: I think it's really important that young black QBs coming up get the opportunity to see People who look like them on the field when they cut the TV on, it gives them um, motivation and the inspiration they need to continue to push forward and persevere. Uh, despite some of the obstacles that they may face, they're trying to become um, the best quarterback that they can be, whether it's a coach not giving them the fair opportunity or them trying to get switched position, but all those different things that come to mind when I think about being a black quarterback, I think that um, just seeing some of the best of the best. Um, Also, being people who look like you is very, very important.
0: Quincy, although we have seen a rise in black quarterbacks over the past couple of seasons, I'm pretty sure you already know this by now, but week one of the 2020 season, um, the NFL saw a record-breaking 10 African-American quarterbacks starting around the NFL. But at the end of the day, do you believe that black quarterbacks still struggle to gain their respect as their counterparts when you take a look at what happened to Dwayne Haskins in Washington earlier this season? And even Tyrod Taylor, I know his situation was a little bit different. Well, matter of fact, I know his situation was completely different from that of Dwayne Haskins, but how quickly he was benched for Justin Herbert once he got hurt.
1: Yeah, so I can talk about that in terms of, um, I, know I, said, I won't say respect, but I will say um, the leniency. So Tyrod Taylor's situation is, is really unique. Um, just in the fact that he did get hurt in the way that he got hurt. And then Justin Herbert was early round selection um was thrust in the position and he was so successful early on. Like I understand the way in which they stayed with him. The Wayne situation is a little bit different, but I think the Wayne situation um forces me to think about more in terms of representation and not representation of black quarterbacks, but representation of black coaches, black people in the facility, people who look like you, who share the same culture that you do. Um, to put you in situations where you feel really comfortable in the rooms that you're going to step into. You're not just a Black quarterback when you go to the QB meeting, but it's all the other opportunities for you to spend time with that group of guys and them get to know you and them understanding that the way you work is fine and it doesn't have to be like the things that they've seen or the way that they've done it is going to be like the things that you do. And that's what I mean by you, you need Black representation. The fact that Dwayne Haskin doesn't have a, a African person, uh, African American person, to look at in terms of his his quarterback meeting room, um, his offensive coordinator, his head coach. He hasn't had one in his time with the Washington Redskins, Washington football team. Um, so so those sort of things make it a little bit different when the people who look at you um, don't necessarily relate to you and your culture and the things that you've gone through and in the way that you've come up.
2: Quincy, you're a Morehouse man, am I correct? That is correct. Every Morehouse man that I have met, they always seem to have this, you know, aura about themselves that they're gonna look out for themselves, of course, but they always want to look out for the next man. And you've trained with Josh Dobbs, you've trained with Deshaun Watson. Both of those guys, you know, grown men have called you big brother. How are you creating the bond and trust with these younger QBs?
1: So the, the thing about people like Josh Jobs and Deshaun Watson is like, I genuinely love those guys. If it was for football or not for football. And you hear those two talk about I'm their big brother, but there's a lot, there's lots of guys who haven't made it to the NFL, right? Who might've just played high school football or might've just played college football who would would say the same exact thing. Like, oh, that's that's my big brother. Like, I love him, but I feel the same way about them. And I've shown them that through my actions, right? through making sure I'm calling them and checking up on them, not just about football, but the things that are going on in their life and the things that they care about, the things that they're passionate about. And that's that's me. You know what I'm saying? that That's what makes me – people talk about me as like a successful quarterback trainer, but I'm successful because of those things, right? I'm successful because I genuinely care about the people that I work with, and that allows the things that I say to, on the field to resonate with them and them to know that it's not coming from necessarily like a place of judgment, but it's somebody who really, really cares about me, cares about my future and wants me to get better. So that's, that's the difference.
2: And that's something I could tell. I was reading an article uh, about a mom who, she was standing in the rain, it was raining outside at practice. She was watching her son get trained by you. And in that article, there was never once a feeling of you know disappointment or being upset because she's in the rain or whatever the case is they trust you with their children and i mean you know kudos to you man because that's huge a lot of people take advantage of young kids who have the dreams in their eyes their, their big eye and parents who have the money to shell out they take advantage of it but when you hear a parent who's willingly going to be in the rain and trust you with their kids I mean, what else do you want from a man of your stature to teach and lead their kid?
1: No, I think I think that's important that that people trust me to do those things. I I, I don't take it for granted or take it lightly that I've been put in the situation to. I, I'm responsible for helping young men's young men's dream dreams come true. Like, if that that's just the bottom line, and I I have to go out there and every time I step on the field with these young men. Every time I give them a phone call, I'm giving my attention and I'm making sure that I care about the things that they're doing.
2: I love that. I just wish, you know, I saw a tweet not too long ago. You tell all of your, your kids don't go to UT. I'm a huge Longhorn fan, man. Can we get one of your quarterbacks? Just one.
1: Man, I don't even really have that much beef with UT. We ain't got no smoke. I don't even know why I said that, honestly. Oh, you was Tennessee? talking crazy. Oh, University of Tennessee. Is it what I said about Tennessee? It's not not even necessarily about like the coaching staff or nothing like that. And I I don't really tell my guys not to go there. It's just not something that I will recommend. And the reason that I say that is I really don't like how the fans of Tennessee treat their quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that there's not a lot of other schools where the fans don't talk to their quarterback, but the vile things that people say to their quarterbacks, like the DMs they send, the crazy stuff they send, it's, it's not appropriate and it's not the way that you should talk to college athletes. So that, that's the reason I say that about those guys. I think that I don't, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to go out there and play quarterback. And if there was somebody on a team who could play better quarterback than the people that they have out there, most of the times they would put that guy in. There's obviously not somebody better. And then at one point you have to look at the coaching staff like, are we developing them better? Are we giving them the opportunity to get better? And we should start maybe looking at them more than we're looking at an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid who's on the field playing playing the
2: game. Oh, man, I thought you meant that for the University of Texas. No, no, nah, nah, I mean, it
1: was not. No, 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 man, I hope not. I
2: man, don't
1: got no, I definitely ain't got no beef for the University of Texas.
2: I love, that's my boys, and we need one of your QBs, man, because after this year, I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah, you know I'm going to have the same
1: head coach. Well, I don't know what y'all got going
2: on. We, if if I, I I wish we were off camera and off record. That I could talk to you about how I feel about where we are with head coach and this whole coaching staff in and, and Austin. <laughs> but, man, I'm talking about fuming at times. I can't watch the game half the time. I got to take heart pressure medicine and a whole night.
1: Hey, man, your head coach been good to me, so I ain't got no smoke with him. I just heard they're trying to get him out of there.
2: I hope so, but we're going to stay in Texas. When we come back, we want to talk about the Houston Texans. This is the Locked On Texas podcast, of course, and Deshaun Watson, where he is now, where he could possibly be, and everything that's been surrounding this entire team. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Quincy Avery, we'll be right back.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have once again, Quincy Avery, Deshaun Watson's personal quarterback coach here with us today. Quincy, when you take a look at the future of this franchise, as someone who has worked closely with Watson over the past couple of years, what are some of the moves you believe the Texans should make to help get Deshaun Watson back to playing meaningful football to make sure that the Texans are not wasting the prime of his career here in Houston.
1: Yeah, I think that they're just gonna have to make a really good head coach hire. A really good head coach hire, a really good GM hire. Um, someone who really understands the way that Deshaun thinks, the way that he wants to play, and that's somebody who's gonna trust him and his ability in order to take help the team make the next step so that they can be a championship contender. Like the the thing that they have, they 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 have a really good left tackle, they've got a great quarterback and they've got some pieces elsewhere. They got some pieces at receiver. I mean, obviously the way that they've been throwing the football these past few weeks, um, they just got they just got to put things together in a whole, as a team so that they can be cons- consistent, week in and week out and start getting some wins.
2: You know, i want to ask you this question and if you can speak the truth on it, we definitely love to hear because now that he's out of town, we have to know. Was there ever a feeling from Watson, if you know, that he he didn't believe he could win and thrive under Bill O'Brien?
1: Man, we ain't really we ain't really talk about nothing like that. Like the only thing we talk about is how how does he become the best version of himself, right? And I, I what I do know is that Deshaun actually really liked Coach Bill O'Brien as a person, so I can I can confirm that. Like he had a a a good relationship. With him as a person. So anytime I ask him about it, it was it was positive in that aspect.
2: On October 6th, you tweeted, I think Tim Kelly is going to do a really good job the remainder of the season uh, offensively. Watson has looked comfortable. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, I think that's the biggest jump we've seen from him in the last three games compared to the first four. Why were you so confident in Tim Kelly moving forward, calling plays?
1: I think Tim and Deshaun, well, I know, I shouldn't say I think. I know Tim and Deshaun have a really good relationship. They spend a lot of time together in quarterback offensive meeting rooms. So they they get to see things the same way. And I think that when you're given the opportunity to call plays or to really be the head coach for the first time, I'm not, not the head coach. You get to call plays and run the offense the way you'd like it for the first time. It puts you in position to just do some things that allow you to be comfortable. You don't have to think about this. There's, there's no one else on the offensive side of the ball who who Tim Kelly has to think about pleasing. Um, it's just what he feels comfortable with. And I know he puts them in work. So I thought that he would give Deshaun the opportunity to be really, really successful.
0: A couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Romeo Connell during one of his media availabilities. And he said that he doesn't think Deshaun Watson has reached his ceiling yet. And it's easy to understand why. And John and myself, we have talked about this countless of times here on Locked On Texans. The fact that we have yet to see the full version, the full package of what Deshaun Watson truly has to offer. So in your perspective, what do you believe is the ceiling for Watson and how much better do you think this guy can get?
1: I mean, he can get better but it's going to be weird because you're not going to see like a dramatic uptick in like numbers or production, like the way he's producing right now, he's playing really, really well. Um, I think that he'll do a better job in terms of the, the, the longer he plays, he's going to be able to do a better job in terms of letting people around him know the things that are necessary for them to be successful, not only for him personally, but them as a team. Right. And it's not that, Deshaun knows how to work, right? He knows how to work really, really hard. He knows how to play the game the right way. He knows how to think about the game the right way. But I think as you mature, especially as you, as you deal with pros, he can do a better job of letting people know exactly what he expects of them in order for them to be successful in the offense. Like, I think he's a tremendous leader. And I think that to a man that the, the members of the Texas organization would say, Deshaun, Deshaun leads as well as anybody else. But... Not necessarily being a leader, but being like a coach on the field. I think that's the next step for him in terms of being um it, taking his game to like peak, peak levels. He'll be able to see more NFL reps, see it quicker, diagnose it faster, and then be able to tell everybody exactly what it is as soon as he sees it.
2: I think in order to do that, you have to have a head coach that trusts you and you trust that head coach. And we're we at a position where before we get to the head coach, we need a GM. Do you have, not necessarily an insight, but who would you like to see as a GM head coach combination for Deshaun Watson and Houston, Texas moving forward?
1: I'm not sure exactly who it is, but I, I, would, I would rather them do it in this order. I would rather them get a head coach who from there – they come together and pick the GM from the head coach, right? Because I think, and it's not like I literally, I know nothing about what the Texans plan on doing, but um, when a head coach really understands what they want to do on offense and defense and has a philosophy and they can echo that to the person who is in charge of getting the players responsible for executing that scheme, I think things go a lot better rather than, GM selecting players and then the head coach having to fit his scheme just to fit um, that GM's ideology. So I think that that's something for them to think about um, in order to be as successful as they
2: should be. Locked on Texans family, this is Quincy Avery. Before we go, Quincy, can you let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and all of your social medias?
1: Man, It's super easy to find. All you got to do is search Quincy Avery, I think Twitter is Quincy underscore Avery. Instagram is Quincy Avery. Um, but I'll be on there making jokes and, jokes and talking crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for joining our show today. We really appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. Interesting topic there from Quincy Avery, the interview we just completed. I had a very good time. and I love the opportunity to kind of talk about things off the field, right? Because coding listeners at home, a lot of times – we are force-fed opinions about on-field matters, uh, especially when we look at the quarterback position, he's not going through reads, he's not taking the, what the defense gives him, he's not getting the ball out quickly, so on and so forth. We've heard it all, we've seen it all, but a man like him in his position who has the opportunity to affect one generation here or another generation here, continuously provides what I love to call a free game to younger quarterbacks coming up in high school, uh, a little bit older quarterbacks coming up in college, and then some pro-level quarterbacks. And like I mentioned, Josh Dobbs and Deshaun Watson calling him big brother. That is a bond that you create with other grown men that, you know, for me, it speaks volumes because if you're creating that bond with a grown man, imagine what that teenager is doing and feeling and how that could help that teenager thrive in a lot of different situations. Uh, I really wish he was, you know, I really wish he was able to give us a little bit more regarding, you know, what did he feel about Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien, but um, you know, not necessarily able to comment on that. And I know he mentioned that's something that those two really don't talk about, but overall um, a good interview and happy to hear from him. There is no game on Sunday. This is the Texans' bye week, but hopefully they take every day to see where they can improve their team. Even and real quick, let me say this: I want to see this team have some type of improvement in the next nine games. And I know I give the the uh, I know I give the appearance that I don't care about the rest of the season. That's not true. I think if you have nine games before you even get to an off season. You need to see what's all you have on your roster, milk it all. So I do want to see some improvement in the next nine games. But this week, next week, and the week after that, this team off the field has a lot on their hands to worry about and try to do what they can to improve the team that they have for next year. But I'm John, Some sports guy Hickman. Follow Locked on Texans on Twitter at Locked on Texans and like us on Facebook. Remember, you can hear this podcast, our podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone and Spotify.
0: And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.